0: Welcome to Served Neat, hosted by your girl, Jen Hartman. I'm the CEO of Neat, a boutique PR and marketing agency based out of Louisville, Kentucky. I launched Neat in 2019 with just $3,000 in my bank account. Since then, I've had the opportunity to work with hundreds of emerging brands and Fortune 500 empires. I believe that marketing and PR should be served neat, just like your favorite bourbon. On this podcast, you'll hear about the latest and greatest growth strategies, the ups and the downs of entrepreneurship, and so much more. Pour yourself a glass of your favorite bourbon because it's time to dive in to this week's episode. Today, you'll hear from Erica Rankin, founder of Brodo. Brodo's mission is to create a world where someone can eat an entire jar of cookie dough and still feel good about themselves. Delicious and nutritious say less. Erica was so much fun to chat with. In this episode, you'll hear Erica talk about the beginnings of Brodo, how she landed her first 100 customers, things that surprised her about building a CPG brand, and so much more. All right, let's dive in. Erica, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to chat with you. How's your day going so far? Any fun wins or oh
1: shit moments you want to share with us? (laughs) Well, I woke up and it's very gloomy and rainy here in Toronto. It's just been one of those days where I've booked too many calls back to back and they're all running late into each other. So it's a little chaotic, but we're good. We're here. Gotta <laughs> love want those days, right? <laughs> Yeah, totally.
0: (laughs) Okay, so let's go ahead and just start from the beginning. Take us through the beginnings of Brodo. Where did the idea for this business even come from?
1: Yeah, so in 2017, I graduated with a BA in psychology. I got a nine to five. I started working at a university. I thought it was the job that I wanted. And I ended up being in incredibly miserable and did not have a good time in this nine to five cubicle life. So I decided to find something to keep my mind preoccupied. And I started prepping for bodybuilding shows. So I got into bodybuilding, I was spending six, seven days a week at the gym, cut out all of my favorite sweets from my diet. And i started experimenting with different ingredients, different recipes. And one of the products I made for myself was these cookie dough bites that were vegan, cleaner ingredients, like naturally sweetened added protein. And I would just have them in the morning or the afternoon just like as a grab and go kind of snack and during that time I was posting all of my recipes on my Instagram account which was called Erica Foodie at the time and they got a lot of attention and this specific recipe whenever I shared it everyone was drooling over these pictures of these cookie dough bites and they asked if I would sell them and they would recreate them and they would always do really well and so I never ever thought of building that into a business but going back to my nine to five I started listening to a entrepreneurship podcast I had I randomly stumbled across on Spotify, and I started listening to it. And I listened to an episode every single day. It was called the MF CEO Project by Andy Priscilla. And it completely opened up a whole new world to me because I never knew that you could pursue that path. I thought, okay, go to school, get a degree, get your job, then maybe go get my master's, then maybe my PhD, and then be in a big hole of student debt for the rest of my life. That's kind of the life that I was, the path that I was walking down. So I got really curious, and it came to a point where my employer was, pay your contracts done. Do you want to continue working here? We're gonna have to reduce your hours, and I thought, no, I don't want to work here anymore. So I ended up quitting that job, and I booked a one-way trip to Thailand, and I went backpacking for three and a half months across Thailand, Singapore, Indonesia, Malaysia, and on that trip, it was my 23-year-old existential crisis trip adventure provided a lot of insights for me I'd never been to a third world country before I did home stays with locals they cooked for us they housed us I got to like experience their culture visit temples really live a different life for three months basically and uh, on that trip I met entrepreneurs which was completely new to me I grew up in a small town and I didn't know a single entrepreneur no one from my hometown was an entrepreneur my parents are not entrepreneurs and the one thing that they all had in common whenever they spoke about what they did for a living, face would light up and they'd get really excited to talk about what they did. And I was so confused because I'd never seen that before. People live for the weekends; they get the Sunday scaries, they hate Mondays, they get excited for Fridays. So I thought, okay, I want that. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I want that. And I went home, I googled business workshop near me, drove out 45 minutes to the closest business resource center, learned how to write a business plan, cash flow, and then Brodo. So going back to like my bodybuilding days, okay, like what do people like? What am I passionate about? And what does market market needs. And I go to the grocery store and there's no healthier, better for you cookie dough. It's not a thing. And then I've already proven that people want the product based off of all the interest I got from my Instagram posts. And I like it. I like spending time in the kitchen and baking. And I certainly like it less now, but <laughs> at the time it was really good. I really liked it. And then Brodo, I came up with the name because it has the protein. I was very much into bodybuilding. That's kind of where the name came from. And later that year in 2019, I decided to launch it that's the history of the company. What a
0: journey. But also, it sounds like you were very methodical in creating this company. I talked to a lot of founders who are like, well, I just wanted to do the thing. So I quit my job with like $1,000. And I like went all in. But it sounds like you took the necessary and proper steps that most people should take when it comes to building a business. So you had mentioned that you went to a business resource center, correct? Right. That's amazing. How did you even know to do that?
1: Honestly, literally, I think the first thing I googled was how to start a business. And then I thought, okay, there's got to be like some sort of class or something. And then I typed business workshop. And then I had all of these different workshops around Ontario that you can go to and they're totally free. I went to one that you learned how to manage cash flow, there was a marketing and branding one, there was the business plan one. And they also had grants available. They had people there that would just help you basically build your business and just understand the fundamentals of your business. I'm someone who's an in high school I don't have like that you know like I was a high school dropout and now I'm so successful like no I was a keener and I had spent evenings in the library until they turned the lights off and I'm oh is it that time already like I need to leave so I just want to be prepared and I think it got to a point where I probably could have launched my business a lot sooner than I did but I was really scared because I felt like I was not ready I felt like I even the day that I launched it I felt like I wasn't ready and I, I had done a lot I had read things and listened to things and written the business plan that was 60 pages, which it did not need to be 60 pages. And it also didn't even go to plan what actually happened was not in the business plan. <laughs> it never goes as planned. So I got as prepared as I could have been. But even then there was so much stuff that like I didn't see coming 100%. You never know everything from the beginning.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You think it's going to go a certain way, and then COVID hits, or you can't find the supplies that you need, or you don't actually end up with as many customers as you think you're going to. So yeah, things are never perfect. And like you had mentioned, you spent so much time preparing to launch. And you still didn't feel ready, and you're never going to feel ready. So I like that you pointed that out, that despite all the preparation, you didn't feel you were ready to go. So thank you so much for sharing that. Now, let's kind of shift gears a little bit, still talking about the early stages, but I want to talk about growth in the very beginning. How did you acquire your first 100 customers?
1: I would say like 80 of them were my friends and family. (laughs) when I remember when I hit publish on my Shopify website. And again, I have no background in business. I know nothing about business, nothing about food, no, nothing. I remember hitting publish on my Shopify website. And then my friends and my family, they all flooded my website and they're ordering and they're like, this is so good. So proud of you. And it didn't really feel that exciting to me because they're just purchasing because they supported me. It wasn't someone who stumbled across my product and was like, I want to spend my money on that product. I don't know her, but I want this. Yeah, majority were friends and family. And then Instagram, I remember spending a lot of time on there and connecting with former friends in the industry bodybuilding who have followings and I was sending them product and they're posting on their Instagram and then people were seeing it from there. And then that was bringing in customers. However, I didn't understand what SEO was. And I remember telling my friends and family what my, my company was. I'm like, yeah, if you could just Google Broto, it'll be there. And they say, no, it's not. And I'm like, what do you mean? And it wasn't on the first page. It wasn't on the second page. It wasn't on the third page. And then I'm on YouTube looking up what is SEO? Why is my website not on the first page? Help. And then I started realizing, oh, wow, this is actually going to be really hard. I'm going to have to really work at this. And oh, I have to spend money on marketing. Oh, why? That's silly. <laughs> so it was really hard for the first few months. I think my first month I did 300 in sales or something. And then my second month it was 400. And then slowly incremental. And then they launched it in December of 2019. And then 2020 was kind of the system build. And then 2021 is when things kind of blew up and I went viral on TikTok and had like a bunch of videos performing really well. And the community was growing and growing and then that's going I started to outsource operations. But at the beginning, it was really hard for sure.
0: <laughs> okay. So I have a few questions from here. It sounds like you may have answered this, but at what point after a launch did you feel like, ooh, I have something here? Was it your first month when you had friends and family supporting you? Was it in 2021 when things started to really blow up? Like at what point were you like, okay, I feel good about this and we're going in the right direction?
1: There was a lot of uncertainty, I would say, for the first year, especially because you're starting something new. And again, I had friends and family that really didn't understand what I was doing. And that kind of Put some doubt in my head. I thought, okay, am I silly for doing this? I remember telling my dad what I was doing, and he's here You're launching a cookie dough business, not cookies, like a cookie dough business. Like, yeah, yeah, like this is the logo, this is what I'm doing. He's like, Okay, okay, <laughs> that's all you had to say. I felt almost ashamed too at certain points when I would go to like parties or meet friends. I moved to a new city and I would meet people, and they're like, What do you do for a living? And I'm like, Oh, I own a cookie dough company, and it believed what I was doing yet. And then I would say in 2021, When I started getting the repeat customers that were coming back, like I had someone spend the $1,000 on cookie dough. He just like ordered every month, 10 jars and kept coming back, kept repurchasing. And then when I started seeing those customers, I was like, wow, okay, this is really cool. They love the product. I don't even know who they are. They don't know me, but they're buying the product. So... I'm doing something right here. And then we had videos starting to take off on TikTok and I could no longer manage production on my own. And we had to grow and outsource all manufacturing. So at that moment, it was, okay, this is serious. I'm going all in and we're really going to grow this. I'm going to invest a lot more into this. And this is my life now. So
0: (laughs) wow. Okay. So thank you for sharing that. I'm super curious. So it sounds like you outsource production now and you've been doing that for a hot minute. But in that first year, that second year, was it just you? in your kitchen, like mixing up cookie dough and trying different recipes? What did that look
1: like? It was very chaotic, honestly. I remember the first day. So I guess rewinding, I grew up in a super small town and I wanted to start this business and I couldn't afford to move to Toronto. Toronto was like an hour from where I lived. It was just too expensive. So I found Ottawa and Ottawa was cheap. I found a commercial kitchen to use that was affordable. I found a roommate i say here called Kijiji. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's like Craigslist. And I found my roommate on there. So I moved in with her and I would get pallets delivered to our apartment lobby. And then the guys would be like sign and I would sign and then they'd be like "Hey, I'm not helping you bring it up sorry and then they'd leave so I'd have to like hustle before like the property manager would come and be like you can't do this here and I would disassemble the pallets and then run them into the elevator and then bring them up and then put them in my living room and then my roommate would ask how long are these going to be here and she was not happy and I get it it's annoying when you move in with a stranger and then she brings all these boxes into your home and we didn't have room in the fridge at the time going to this commercial kitchen and making product there and it was winter it, was, it gets really cold in Ottawa Negative three. 30 degrees Celsius with like the wind chill. So, my car was the perfect freezer. So, I stored all my product there and I drove with the heat off for three months. <laughs> so, that was like... so, it got to a point where it started did become warm because of the spring and I panicked and I still had like dough in my car and I remember like whenever I would go like to the gym or to like the grocery store and I had like product in my trunk, I would intentionally try to park in the shade. So I would park so far from where I needed to go because I couldn't have my car be like in direct sunlight, <laughs> which is horrible. And then it got to a point where I was like, okay, I need to buy a freezer and I'll put it in my living room. So I did that. I put it in my living room. I moved out, got a one bedroom condo and then just operated from my living room and then stored. Excess inventory. I have the storage unit in my building, and then on my balcony, so I just have like boxes and stuff kind of everywhere. Yeah, it was all over the place. Honestly,
0: (laughs) it sounds so chaotic, but also this makes for such a good story. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. All right, let's shift gears. I would love for you to talk about things that have surprised you in building a CPG brand.
1: Everything It's lackable. I say. Like, there's always something that comes up. But I think for me, just the cost associated with it. I, as a consumer now, when I go into a grocery store, I see things completely differently. It's before I would go in there and I'm like, wow, this brand is doing so well. Or wow, $10? They're selfish. They're making so much money. And now I fully understand all of the margins and what goes into it. And at the end of the day, like, a lot of these brands are not even profitable, which is the most disheartening thing. So I understand that more and I always try to support smaller businesses than the bigger corporate giants, even if they're a little bit more expensive, because I know that it is really helping. It makes a huge difference if you can just go and buy the more expensive protein snack like Brodo off a shelf versus the more expensive protein bar. So I would say all of that. The other thing that surprises me Just like how much is involved, you have to know how to do everything like supply chain and marketing and kind of have to wear all of the hats and try to do it as best as you can because you don't have the capital to outsource it right away.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, starting a business is like going through business school, right? You learn yeah. so many things along the way. You try, you fail. And I mean, I'm sure you could write a book at this point of everything you've been through. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing that one. Well, I have quite a few listeners who are in that space. So I know that that mm-hmm. information will be really valuable. Are there any marketing or PR strategies that you are testing this year or have been testing? And if so, what is working for you and maybe what hasn't worked so well?
1: So we didn't sell any products for like the first eight months of the year. We actually completely delisted our old tubs of cookie dough and they just weren't selling in retail. So we went back to the drawing board and completely reformulated, made it single serve, improved the product. And then now that is just currently launching into the market. So we kind of put everything on the back burner other than getting this product to market. So now that it's out um, and it's launching into retail stores, what we're actively doing is doing demos. I've been going downtown Toronto with a tiny mic and interviewing people at the content that is very hard and quote unquote cringy and that a lot of people aren't comfortable doing. I'm trying to do a lot of that and just put it out on social and just really build a brand awareness around the product as we launch it into retail. But we're going to be launching self stable products direct to consumer in the US in 2024. And majority of our followers are American. So we've had this problem where we can't sell to US just because the product's refrigerated. It's really hard to ship a refrigerated product across the border, yet alone like in Canada. So with that, We're just going to be ramping things up with like TikTok. We use email marketing as well. So I'm building out like this exclusive cookie club waitlist where the people who sign up to this are going to get like exclusivity and like merch and discounts and product and all that fun stuff when it does all launch in the new year. So that's kind of something that we're working on right now. But for now, it's like focusing on retail in Canada. And then we're going to experiment with a bunch of different things with the D2C launch.
0: Cool, that sounds exciting. You had mentioned earlier in our conversation that you had a couple of videos, I'm sure a ton of videos at this point that have gone viral. Take us back to that first video that totally exploded. What was that video about? And why do you think it worked so well?
1: Honestly, so it's crazy. The ones that you put the most effort and energy into are the ones that don't perform the best. That's what I found. I would spend so much time editing these videos and putting them out and they wouldn't do well. But this one video, I remember being at the kitchen all day. I came home like late at night and I had made a promise to myself to post a TikTok every single day. Because my friend, I saw her success with it with her business. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep showing up and spend like 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day posting videos on there. So I put together a compilation of just dough mixing in the mixer. And there was a voiceover and the voiceover said something like, I'm a small business, please support me basically asking people to interact with the video. And I remember waking up the next day and my Shopify cha-ching like kept going off. And I thought something was wrong. I'm like, something's wrong. Someone's hacked me something's going on. And then I went into Instagram and I had 3000 followers or something just like out of nowhere. It's just growing crazy. And then I went on to TikTok and this video had blown up. It had like hundreds of thousands of views and was climbing and continue to grow. And I was getting all these emails from people in the US asking if they could buy and they went on the website and they couldn't. And I think over the course of 40 hours, I got like 150 orders or something. And it might not seem like a lot, but for one person, that is a lot. I texted my friends and I was like, Hey, we have to go to the kitchen because I don't know if I have enough inventory to fill these orders. Because again, I had half my inventory in my living room freezer and then half in the kitchen and I didn't track it to a T. So I kind of just guessed it was like loosey goosey. So I didn't know if I oversold the inventory that I had. I think I did. So we went to the kitchen, made product, came home, folded boxes all weekend. I have pictures of just boxes all over my apartment. And then I was picking and packing them all weekend long. And it was good because it was winter. So I was just putting them and storing them on my balcony. And then I brought them to FedEx on Monday to ship them out. So it was pretty crazy. And then continue to keep posting videos and I guess like ride the momentum Um, and we built our TikTok account of almost 200,000 followers since then, And it's just been a really good way to build community and interact with customers and I guess take them along the journey of growing the business. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. And I wanted to touch on that real quick. I know we don't have a lot of time left, but something that I noticed, especially on LinkedIn is you are so good at personal branding. You're really good at pulling the curtain back and showing people what it's really like to build a CPG brand. Have you always had that kind of to where you're like, Oh, I can share this all and I feel good about it. Or like, how did, if you haven't always been like that, how did you get to that point of just feeling comfortable and confident in being totally open with your business journey?
1: I honestly wasn't. So for me, I went on LinkedIn in 2020. It all started on LinkedIn. And I only went on there because I didn't know how to grow my business. And all my friends, they worked for the government, they couldn't help me, I would go to them with my problems. And they're like, you'll figure it out. You're fine. So I thought, okay, I need to talk to someone who's done this before. And I was writing my pantry, I have all the products that I consume on a regular basis, I went on there connected with the founders and CEOs was like, I love what you do. I need some support here mentorship. And that's why I went on there. But as I was doing that, and I was growing my Homepage and refreshing and connecting with people. It was just a lot of shiny stuff. Like it was like, oh, we fundraised X amount of money. We grew a team from 25 to 500. Things that were happening. Everyone was doing so good and things were going so well. And for me, it was the opposite. I was storing product in my living room. I was doing deliveries from 8 a.m. to 12 a.m. on Fridays, delivering product to customers. And I felt like I wasn't doing things right. And I felt like entrepreneurship wasn't for me. You know, because I didn't have the money to start this. At I had to get my logo made off Fiverr for 50 bucks. I didn't have a fancy website. I made it myself and it looked rough, but it worked. So, I started having conversations with other founders and we started talking and they started sharing all of their struggles and everything that they were doing and going through and it was literally the exact same thing we just had a lot of overlap and I didn't understand why no one talked about it like there was a lot of shame around it so I thought okay like maybe I'll try to like use this platform to help people feel less alone like me because it feels really shitty when you go on there and you feel like you're doing everything wrong so i think the first post that i did was hey i'm Erica the picture of me with like a bunch of boxes in the back of my car and talking about what i do. And I think I was like, yeah, I find strangers on Facebook Marketplace and get their boxes and use their boxes to ship orders. And so I don't have to buy boxes, stuff like that. In doing that, I kind of built a following and that was never really my intention. It just kind of naturally happened. And the responses that I got from that, you know, people messaging and just saying like, thank you for sharing this. I'm going through the same thing. It's really hard. I feel like I have no one to relate to or look up to, or it like paints a false picture when you see all of this shiny stuff and you think, oh, I need so much money and I need a big team and a fancy warehouse and all this stuff when in actuality, like you don't, you don't need any of that stuff.
0: So yeah. no 100% I feel the same way because I love LinkedIn as well and a lot of people I follow it's same thing it's like oh we just raised X amount of money we just made this much money and it's like what am I doing wrong over here but mm-hmm. I mean I used to also look up to people at a certain level whether it was like seven figures eight figures nine figures and they just looked like they had their shit together and I'm like oh when I make that much money I'm going to have my shit together and things are going to be perfect and I just recorded a podcast episode about this last week but it's funny because Because all the problems I thought I would never have at this level, the money has just amplified said problems, Mm. like more money, more problems, bigger problems. Now we have legal problems. We have people problems. We have client problems, like things like I just didn't think happen at a certain level happen on a much larger scale, but people don't talk about it. And I guess at a certain level, you want to be perceived in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And you want people to think you're a leader, you're an expert in your space, you're on a pedestal right and in reality like that's not the case like we still deal with a bunch of crap whether you're you're first getting started in business or whether you're making seven eight or nine figures I'm glad you're so open about it on LinkedIn as well I mean people connect with people right people want to see a brand that is almost humanizing itself and I think you do a really great job of that for Brodo yeah
1: it's tying into what you said I've had I mean I don't do much of it now what I was doing social media consulting and like LinkedIn consulting and stuff and I had a couple high-level CEOs come to me, and I told them like what they needed to do, and a lot of them are very apprehensive to share, to get vulnerable on there because oh, I have investors on here, I have people who look up to me, I have this type of persona that I have to live up to and this reputation. But at the same time, because of my vulnerability, I've attracted the right people into my life, and people are going to resonate with what you're saying, and it's just going to make you more of a thought leader in your industry, right? Because you're sharing stuff that you learned, and I think that has a lot of value in it, and people just respect you a lot. More. too if you're being vulnerable and you're not like oh this is how I lost five million dollars this sucks my life sucks no I made this mistake and this is what I learned from it and I think the takeaway is things happen for you not to you and I think having that out on there is just going to like help people and people are going to gravitate towards you and want to learn from you
0: 100% all right Erica is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to any
1: questions you were hoping I was going to ask you that I just didn't I don't think so you covered a lot of good stuff. I guess I'll end off on a quote. So one of my mentors, he always says like lessons are caught not taught. And I think that is the most powerful statement ever. So people See you doing things, whether it be taking care of your health, working out, eating well, building a business, continuing to show up for your friends, your family, whatever it may be. They're going to look at that and then they're going to start doing the same thing in their lives. It's going to inspire them. So you can tell people and preach to do a certain thing or live a certain life, but if you're not living that life, they're not going to take it seriously. Versus if you don't say anything and you just show up and you show them what's possible, then they're going to look at that and they're like, okay, I can do this too. And that's been a huge thing for me. Like even my mom, Lately. she's like oh I'm gonna go and I'm gonna hire a personal trainer and she's getting into like health and fitness and stuff and I never told her to but I've just been like you know a priority recently and she sees that and I think she wants to make it a priority for herself so I think that's super important 100% I love it yeah all right where can people find you so eProdo is our handle so we're everywhere like Instagram TikTok erica Rankin on linkedin and then our website thebroto.com and we have our waitlist there so if you're in canada or the u.s and you want to sign up to our cookie club waitlist you should <laughs> awesome
0: i will be signing up for that like yesterday and i can't wait i'm really excited for your products to make it to the u.s because they just look delicious and i know they're healthy too so erica thank you so much for joining me i really appreciate you yeah thank you, thanks for tuning in to this episode of served Me. I hope you enjoyed listening and found some tasty nuggets of marketing wisdom to help you take your brand to the next level. Remember, just like a perfectly crafted cocktail, marketing is all about finding the right balance and serving it up with a splash of creativity. So keep building, keep refining, and keep serving up your brand with style. And if you're thirsty for more insights, be sure to subscribe and join us for our next episode of Served Neat. Until then, cheers.